So the new Blockton reported had an update on the Seattle Christmas monkey saga. So basically in Seattle, there's some neighborhood that's near the zoo. And so for many years, they've been putting up like little Christmas light monkeys at Christmas time, you know, to whatever, be festive and show that they're a, a cohesive neighborhood. And so I think last year, 2020, I think it was 2020, um, you know, I think it was like one person. Anyways, like one person, maybe a couple people, but anyways, they they got what they wanted. They're like, that's racist. Don't you know that monkeys equals black people? Which, you know, before I heard about this, I'd never associated monkeys with black people. But now I guess if I see a monkey, I'm going to think that someone, whatever, that's inherently racist. I don't know. But it's going to make me think about this thing that I shouldn't be thinking about. So I wish they hadn't done that. But anyways, all the businesses in this little neighborhood caved in to like this one person who was saying something that probably is not, well, that absolutely is not true, that monkeys are racist, Christmas monkeys. And so anyway, so they had a, uh, they had a, whatever, a poll to see what kind of animal they should replace it with. And so in the list of things were stuff like a uh, turtle, owl, wolf, and then there's an asterisk. And the asterisk says at the bottom, um, due to community feed feedback, we've decided to remove raccoon from this list. <laughs> kind of makes me wonder, like, what are all the racist animals? Yeah, probably shouldn't go there. All right, they're going over the beginning of the saga, so I guess I'll retell it because it's mildly amusing. So what happened was that this neighborhood association or whatever they hired a diversity and inclusion person. And so basically her job, I guess, one of her, one of the things that she has to do is her job was to go around looking for stuff that's racist. And so one of the businesses had two water fountains. Like they had an old water fountain and then they had a uh, American with Disabilities Act accessible water fountain next to it. And so this lady was like, two water fountains? that's racist you got to get rid of one of them and they did and i think after they caved into all her stupid demands they fired her makes me think of like a word association test like these woke people are trying to make you racist they can't find enough racist so they're going to make you racist it's going to be one of those tests where they give you a word and then you say the word the first word that pops into your head afterwards and they'd be like white you'd be like black They'd be like, night. You'd be like, black. And they'd be like, monkey. And you'd be like, and then they'd be like, I knew it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Like Sam Kinison in Back to School. Say it. Or like that old, uh, I think it was Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor uh, skit on Saturday Night Live. Where the... Uh, the interviewer was, you know, coming up with words, and the words were getting, like, more racist as they went, as he went. And, you know, Richard Pryor was getting more agitated as he was playing the game. And I'm not going to say what the last two words from Chevy Chase were, but, um, you know, you know, I think the last one was the N-word anyways, or something like that. Whatever, they were racial epithets. Anyways, and so the last two responses from Richard Pryor were honky, and then finally, when Chevy Chase said the N-word, he's like, dead honky. And that's a great skit. Go check it out on YouTube if you haven't seen it. 
So I'm listening to On Point. It's like a some sort of NPR uh, radio show podcast. And they're talking about the uh, increase in murders in America. And uh, Portland, Oregon, you know, I think the murders more than doubled, uh, whatever, since George Floyd. And so they do an interview, very short little interview, with a uh, pastor in Portland. And his uh, stepson was murdered, shot with a gun, 33 years old. You know, uh, the father and the son are both uh, African-Americans. And so I don't know if this applies directly to his stepson's murder or... Maybe he just works with like disadvantaged youth or maybe he has his finger on the pulse of the neighborhood or maybe he doesn't and thinks he does. But anyways, they ask him, you know, why are young black men murdering each other? And, you know, more, more than they used to. And I will say, I think this podcast, I'm like 20 minutes in, they've never said the word black. Um, they always say people of color or black and brown. And then they interview a bunch of black people. But anyways, the pastor, he says the reason why people are murdering each other is because they have no hope. And so this is one day after I did my latest uh, Critical Race Theory uh, podcast. And that's the one where I had the realization that what Critical Race Theory, you know, in K-12 through teaches black kids is that they shouldn't have any hope. I mean, basically, they're screwed. All whites are against them. They're the victims. You know, they shouldn't even try, you know, if, if they... Whatever, they're going to, it's not their fault. It's not their fault, but, you know, they're going to fail and uh, don't even try. And so, you know, that, so basically, people are, so woke people in America today, their solution to this, whatever, to all these problems that possibly are caused by lack of hope, their idea is to teach all the kids to have no hope. And I've mentioned it in other podcasts, but... More police equals safer. Less police equals more dangerous. So, you know, the other big thing that woke people are pushing is less police, right? So that <laughs> that's going to directly screw over poor black neighborhoods. So it's just going to be interesting to see what all the woke ideas that come out. Uh, you know, it seems like every six months, woke white people have another idea on how to help poor black people. And it's the exact opposite of what will help. In fact, it's something that will completely devastate these poor neighborhoods. It made me think of like, you know, some white teacher talking to some black kid. And the teacher would be like, you know, if you fail, it's not your fault. It's white supremacy. And the black kid's going to be like, what do you mean if I fail? And the teacher would be like, I'm not saying you're going to fail, but if you fail, it's not your fault. And you shouldn't feel bad about it. And the kid will be like, why do you keep talking about me failing? And that imaginary conversation might be a little bit of a microcosm of, uh, you know, what's going on. It's like some kid who was doing good and didn't even have the idea of failure in their mind. Uh, woke people are going to put it in there and they're going to put it in there hard. And they think they're doing good and they're doing bad. So they're starting to talk about, they're blaming the pandemic, basically, for this rise in murders. And this show isn't bad. I mean, it's a mildly woke show, uh, and they're definitely trying to manipulate the listener, just the way they phrase things. Like, everything is phrased very, well, in my opinion, manipulatively. Like, they don't say, you know, the rise in murders. They say the rise in gun violence. I don't know if they say the word murder in the whole program. 
But if you know, if you say there's a rise in murders, then people are going to be like, you know what? We need to uh, catch those murderers and lock them up. So I think what you know the producers of this show are hoping that if they say the rise in gun violence, I mean, they've said that probably 15 times so far in this show, uh, and they're probably going to say it another 30. Um, you know, then that will manipulate the audience into wanting to pass laws to ban guns, which is obviously what, you know, that's, that should be NPR's stated policy. They don't state their policies, but that is their, their, that's their unstated policy, ban guns. Which, you know, real quickly, that's a sticky wicket because that means you have to take away guns from the vast majority of legal law-abiding gun owners to get the few owned by criminals, but they're the ones doing the, the bad deeds. But anyway, so they start getting into the dates. So they're okay. They're they're saying it's based on the it's caused by the pandemic, and so the pandemic started in March, I think they said. And so, and then they say you know so kids that should be in school are out of school. Now, you know I don't I don't know if they'll I don't know if they'll say when the murder thing started. It started out it started I think in June. Like George Floyd was killed in May, but it was late May. And so I think the murder started shooting through the roof in June. So anyways, it made me think of doing the math on the months. And so you could say, well, there's a three-month lag. Kids aren't in school for three months, and then the murders shoot through the roof. But then I remembered, you know what? I think June, I don't have a kid, so I'm not sure. I think June is right about the time that summer happens for school, so kids are not in school. So basically... Let's uh, see how we, how to put this. Uh, so the pandemic, it let you know it let kids out of school for three months. The murders did not shoot up. Then in the next three months, when the kids would have been out of school anyways, the murders shot up. So basically, what's the point? I feel even more strongly that this is not caused by the pandemic. It was caused by the Black Lives Matter riots. Oh, and I looked this up, so I'll give you some stats. Um, so there's 570 riots, Black Lives Matter riots, and I think that was like through September, but whatever, we'll just, we'll just say it's 2020. There's at least 570 riots through 2020, and when I say riot, because I, I was telling my buddy, like, oh, it's 570 riots, and he's like, he thought I meant peaceful protests when I didn't. But anyways, there was actually 10,000 protests of one sort or another total in 2020. So basically, 10,000 Peaceful protest, well, 10,000 protests, 600 of which were violent. So 6% of protests turned into riots. So anyways, I think, I think everyone should know those numbers. Uh, they were mostly peaceful. Now, this is a Princeton study, and I'm sure they were trying to be as woke as possible without lying about the numbers. But like, for instance, I know, I know uh, like a lot of small towns across America... You know, go to Timbuktu, frickin' Idaho, and they had a protest with, like, five people holding signs for an hour on a street corner. So, you know, I don't know if they're counting those things, but I bet they are, so. Like, I'd like to know uh, the percentage of protests that had maybe over 100 people, or maybe over 1,000. That's what I, Yeah, I'd like to know all those numbers. I'd like to know, you know, of the protests that had over 1,000 people, what percentage of those turned into riots? Because I think you'll find the numbers a lot higher. Well, and supposedly this show is going to provide some solutions. Tell us about possible solutions. 
and I'm getting pretty deep into it, and so far the only thing they say is we need to invest in these neighborhoods. And I think basically they're being manipulative again. I mean, what does that mean? That means give more money to those neighborhoods, which, you know, I'm not necessarily against. But, uh, you know, where's this? They're, 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 they're avoiding specifics. Invest, invest, invest. They've said that word, I'd say, ten times now. But they don't want to say invest the money doing this, invest the money doing that. They just say we should invest more. I think we're about to get some of their ideas, but anyways, it makes me think of, uh, boy, this is just a, this is just a recap of yesterday's episode, but, um, the Baltimore school district is like, it's terrible. Almost half of the kids in the Baltimore school district in high school have less than a 1.0 GPA. I mean, this school district is total crap totally failing all their kids but i think they're like the high the third highest per kid spending of any city in america i mean they spend more money on their kids than virtually anyone so just spending more money is not the solution and in fact i mean the the situation is a little bit complicated basically i think it involves extra money to whatever like kids with like learning disabilities but i think on average like Every state, most states, lots of states, lots of cities, I don't know exactly, but um, poor schools, poor performing schools that are just doing terribly, they actually get more money than like the suburb schools that are doing great. I mean, basically, giving more money to bad schools has occurred to people, and we've been doing it for quite a while now. And it hasn't fixed any, any of them, to my knowledge. All right, now they're getting to it. So, I think they're about to say something woke, but they lead it off with, Increased policing is what is one of the things that contributed to the enormous drop in violent crime from the early 90s to today. So that was good to hear them say. I don't even know if that's true or not, but it's definitely something I'd like to know more about. So the professor guy, he says policing stops crime enormously, according to him. Then he says, I guess if you're, you know, if you're stopped and frisked when you were innocent, I mean... You have to be innocent anyways. Uh, It could have detrimental effects to your mental health and make your grades go down. I'd like to know more about that. That sounds like woke BS to me. I mean, you know, maybe you got two options. Your seven-year-old grows up in a safe neighborhood and your 19-year-old gets stopped and frisked. Or your seven-year-old grows up in a terrifyingly dangerous neighborhood and your 19 year old can go around doing whatever the hell they want and i will mention that answer that i just gave you was a sidestep she says what does all this increased violence have to do with the black lives matter protests and he just goes police equals less crime but some but people don't like getting stopped and frisked well they haven't used the word murder yet but they did use the word homicide so it's actually an interesting word i think they're being Whatever, they're trying to to deceive when they use the word. But anyways, what does homicide mean? Well, it means homo, like homo, hmm, well, you know what. Anyways, homo means same. The prefix homo means same. I think side means to kill, like genocide. So anyways, homicide is when a person kills another person. But it does not mean that, um, you know, basically it could be self-defense, it could be by accident. It just means that, you know, it wasn't a bear. It wasn't a, a lightning bolt. It was a person that killed this person. 
doesn't mean that anyone is uh, guilty of anything. So it's making me wonder if, like, murder... So basically, like, right now, I think it's considered racist to use the word riot. Like, you know, all the mainstream media and everyone is going way, way out of their way to never use the word riot. You know, I mean, sometimes I call it a mostly peaceful protest. But, uh, you know, if it's just a riot and nothing else, I think the new word for that is unrest. So this show is making me wonder if uh, murder is now one of the words that uh, shall not be spoken. All right, so the... The on-point lady gets another guy on there uh, who's working to stop violence in Chicago. I guess he works with whatever. He's on the his feet are on the ground in Chicago trying to stop violence, and she asks him why people walk around with guns. And I haven't gotten to the answer to that yet, but um, you know, whatever. These are disadvantaged communities. Whatever. He does that for about. A minute of talking about disadvantaged communities and you shouldn't uh, judge people if you don't walk a mile in their shoes. And that's fine, probably true. But then he says something interesting. That uh, all this violence is started in the 60s at the same times, same time as the civil rights movement. So I don't know exactly what he means, but you know, I think you could call 2020 the protests and the riots. Uh, that was kind of a civil rights thing. So maybe... There's something about civil rights movements that make black people start to murder each other. I mean, I know, that's harsh, right? That's harsh, that's racist. Uh, definitely didn't put a fine point on it. But uh, it's kind of the hint I'm getting. And, you know, these are woke people. They're not trying to, obviously not trying to say it that way. So in some part of Chicago, 70% um, of 18 to 36-year-olds have a felony conviction. You know, uh, they have mentioned that jobs would be good, and uh, having a felony conviction is going to make that a little difficult sometimes. Okay, so I guess the reason why young black men in Chicago feel like they have to carry a gun is because they don't trust the police to keep them safe. They feel like they have to keep themselves safe. And, you know, maybe they're just carrying a gun for protection. Well, you know, and if that's the case, which I think that is the case, um... That means black, no, you know, no wonder Black Lives Matter <laughs> screws over black people. It's like, hey, black people, the cops aren't going to protect you. And then, you know, they don't say, hey, black people, go get a bunch of guns. But uh, I think that's the subtext, right? The cops, the cops aren't going to protect you. And like, oh, so you're saying I need to protect myself. So, I mean, the other thing I know is that gun violence is super correlated with um, alcohol you know, it's one thing to have, be walking around sober with a gun. It's another thing to be, you know, 3 a.m. drunk as F with a gun. So, you know, maybe, you know, it's kind of like the mostly peaceful thing. You mostly peacefully carry your gun for self-protection. But then sometimes, you know, on Saturday night, you get drunk as heck. And you might not be as careful anymore. You might not use it purely for protection. You know, that one guy's sniffing around your girlfriend again. Well, and something else they mentioned, so I don't know exactly how true this is because you know i think you can go find a modern you know you can go to a city in the southwest or something where they got similar problems but anyways in chicago i think i mean heck i don't know probably up through the 80s and definitely you know the 20s or the 60s or whatever i think the chicago police were racist as hell like i don't think they are that way now but um it definitely was some uh, justified mistrust in the past but again, it's not all clear-cut. Like, 
in the 20s, I'm sure they were at, you know, I'm sure in the 20s, every single cop was racist. But whatever, we didn't have this, whatever, murder problem. At least I don't think we did. Actually, I don't know. Maybe we had a murder problem back then, too. All right, and the next thing they say that causes all these murders is um, the videos. The videos of cops shooting, uh, whatever, black men. And I've said this before, but when you look at the stats for unarmed civilians being killed by cops, every race is killed exactly proportional to the amount of violent crime that they commit, which is exactly what you should expect. And if any of those groups had a much higher or lower number, then you would know that there was some sort of bias. But that ain't so. But anyways, you know, who's promoting all this stuff? So it's social media and then corporate media. So, I mean, the, the, the wokest of the woke, right? They are pushing these videos everywhere. Good God, y'all. And once again, it's the woke people getting black people murdered. Well, another interesting fact. I guess since George Floyd, um, people in these bad neighborhoods have stopped calling the police to report the murderers. I mean... It's always been a thing where they, you know, snitches get stitches and uh, keep your mouth shut because whatever. It's the guy right down the hall in your in your apartment building who's doing the murders. You don't want to snitch on that person. He might murder you. But anyways, some of those people very rarely do get caught. And I guess it's because people tell on them. And so apparently that is... He didn't give the numbers, but apparently that's down a whole bunch. People talking to the cops. They don't want to do it anymore. And now that means... Basically, that means you can get away with murder. That's going to be another reason to go do some more murders. You can get away with it. All right, so here's some possible solutions, I guess. So this guy they have on here, he, he runs sort of, some sort of like community organization that uh, tries to help, um, whatever, at-risk black men, I think. And he gives a bunch of crazy stats, like, you know, the people in his program, you know, they have an average of 18 arrests, five felony arrests, um... They, you know, their average grade they got to was grade 10, but their reading level is grade 5. And while they, whatever, have committed violence against other people, they are also have been the victims of violence. So, I mean, you know, that all sounds like exactly the right kind of person you want to help. Oh, that's right. They also have, a, they're also a bunch of fathers. They have lots of kids. But so this guy's idea for a solution, it's two things. One of which is jobs, and the other one is cognitive behavioral therapy which he calls cognitive behavioral intervention and it is true that jobs will fix these problems but um you know they're like trying to train them to whatever give them some skills to get a job he doesn't mention how successful that is i believe that uh you know that ain't successful there's a lot of people that don't have any of those problems and they have problems getting a job so i mean that's a real difficult problem to solve. If you could solve that, you solved it all. I don't think he solved that. But anyway, so the cognitive behavioral therapy aspect, though, is a little more interesting. I haven't heard of this. But I do know that criminals have impulse control problems. You know, if someone tells you to F off, do you uh, leave? Do you punch them? Or do you shoot them? You know, and it's going to depend on, you know, you're going to want, you know, if someone if someone disrespects you with some words, you're not going to like it. So, you know, it's just going to depend on your impulse control abilities to not escalate it too much. And that's the problem that criminals have. Like, they, you know, they go from someone says some words to they, go, they grab their gat, which isn't good for the victim or the shooter.
Anyways, impulse control is what their cognitive behavioral therapy, I'm going to call that CBT. I'm going to call that CBT. It's too hard to say, even though it's probably the last time I'll say it in this episode. Every time I come up with an acronym, I never say the word again. But anyways, uh, CBT, um, if that works in helping people with impulse control problems, like that would be amazing. Anyways, and then the, the interview lady is like, what you're doing sounds amazing. It sounds like it's going to fix America. Fix Chicago, Chicago. Fix America. Why don't we roll this out everywhere? And he's like, you know, we're still in the trial stages trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. You know, so my prediction would be that what they're doing doesn't work at all. But if it does work, that would be awesome. And I'll definitely be looking for that CBT. Anytime someone says CBT in relation to crime, I'm going to be, uh, keep my ears are going to perk up on that one. Because if it did work, that would be amazing.